So if I was to walk around the city of River Falls and ask every single person that I came into contact with the same question, do you think they would give me the same answer? I didn't even give you the question yet. The question is, do you have faith? Do you think every single person would give me the same answer to that question, do you have faith? I disagree. I think they would all say yes. Last Tuesday, as an 18-year-old person in the country of the United States, I had the privilege and the opportunity to go and vote, right? Above 18. I'm not 18, but above 18. So anybody 18 and older had the privilege last Tuesday to go and vote, right? Do you think the people who went and voted had faith in those who would be getting their vote? (laughs) Some of them did. Do you think that, that some of those people who went out and voted had complete confidence in whom they voted for to go and do what they said in their campaign? <laughs> yes, some of them. Some of them do. Not everybody, but, but some of them. All right, let, let's, let's, get off the, let's get off voting. <laughs> what about you? Do you have faith in yourself? Kids, do you think you could study and go and pass that test? Do you think you excel in sports at times? Sure, why not, right? What about you that work? Do you think you're the best in your job? Do you have faith in what you do, that you can can do it? You do sometimes, otherwise you wouldn't be out there doing it, right? What about raising kids? Do you have faith that you can do your best? Do you have faith that you can give them what they need and maybe even sometimes what they want? Yeah. Most people, we would say yes to having faith in these things. So now let's go back to the question where you just took it to, to one thing, I think, in your minds. If I was to ask the question of everyone, do you have faith in something, they would all say Yes, because we understand what faith means. Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Some have faith in themselves. Some have faith in the government. Some still have faith in the Green Bay Packers. Everyone has faith in something. So the question is not whether you have faith or not. The question is, do you have faith? Do you believe in the right thing? So while all people have faith, not all people have faith in the right thing. Not all people have faith in the right person. So this morning, as we continue our Sola teaching series, we're not going to look at faith in the sense of how much faith we have or the strength of our faith. No, we're going to focus in on whom we have faith in. 
for faith? Faith is only as good as its object. We can't focus on faith by itself because all the attention would be on who? Be on us, right? We'd be then talking about our faith. We'd then be bragging about our faith, the, how much faith we have, or, or, or how strong our faith is. Or, 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 or maybe we wouldn't be. We would be worried about the strength of our faith. It doesn't work. And, and since faith is as only good as its object, the focus of faith alone needs to be on the one in whom we have faith, Jesus Christ. Sola fide. Faith alone and Christ alone. So this is where we're going to be. We're going to be looking at the object of our faith, the one in whom we have faith. And I invite you into two separate spots. Lauren read these for us a little bit ago. We're going to start in the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bible or your phone and you want to join us there, John chapter 6, we're going to be there in verse 35. And we're just going to look at those first two words and we're going to stop. John 6, well, right where Jesus begins to speak. Not just Jesus said. We'll go a little bit further than that. Jesus said to them, I am. So we'll just read those two words, I am, and, and then just stop for a second. Notice Jesus doesn't say, um, you are. Notice Jesus doesn't say, your family is. Notice Jesus doesn't say your job is. Notice Jesus doesn't say your government leaders are. No, Jesus says, I am. And then he continues on to say, I am the bread of life. This is important. So when, when Jesus was speaking these words, what he was doing was drawing a parallel between himself and, and his life and the manna that God provided during the Exodus. He's drawing the Israelites back to that time. He was teaching the Pharisees. He was saying, in the desert, you remember this, in the desert, God provided manna. And the manna that, that God provided from heaven kept your ancestors alive. However, he says, what happened to them? Well, because of sin, right? Because of original sin, meaning sin that we're all born with. And because of actual sin, sins that we actually do commit, even though they had that manna come to them from heaven, they all eventually died. The manna sustained those ancestors for a while, but they, like all living things, eventually died. So Jesus here is saying to them, understand this, I too have come from heaven. Just like the manna that God provided for your ancestors from heaven, that's where I have come from. And I am, and I have come from heaven, not to give you food, as Melody said to the kids, not to just sustain you here in this earth for a little while, but to say, I am the bread of heaven. I am, and whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. He lays it all out there. 
And then in verse 36, he says this, but you haven't believed in me. You haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. So what do they do? They put their faith elsewhere. Again, they had faith, right? They had faith. The Pharisees had faith. Their faith was in the law. They believed other things. And each and every single one of them had faith in what they believed to be the truth. But even with all that faith, even with all that faith in what they believed, it was the wrong thing. It was the wrong focus. Right here, friends, in John 6, we see a very pivotal point in the ministry of Jesus. Because he's offending lots and lots of people by saying this. Just a few verses later there in John 6, you see that many people stopped following him. They gave up on following him because of what he was saying. Because they didn't like what he was teaching. They found his words, his teaching to be hard, to be too difficult to believe, to to continue to follow. And so they placed their faith elsewhere. They just couldn't do it. They couldn't believe it by themselves. This makes sense. Right? Look at verse 37. All those that the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. All refers to all those who believe. All those who believe in Jesus. All those that the Father has given. You see, what it's saying here is no one, you, me, them, nobody, has the willpower, the ability to choose to believe in Jesus or come to God. No one. Faith comes to the believer as a gift from God's grace. Right? Last week's message. Faith comes to the believer as a gift from God's grace. Faith in Christ alone is God's gift given to us. This gift comes from God through Jesus Christ to you, to me. This faith is created by the Holy Spirit, and the salvation of a believer is secure in Christ, who lets no one slip through his fingers. All who look on Jesus and believe in him will have eternal life. It's a guarantee. All who look on Jesus and believe in him will have eternal life. It's a guarantee. 
How do we know? Look at John 6, 39 and 40. Jesus says here, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Salvation of the believer is secure in Christ. Salvation of the believer is secure in Christ who lets none of his own slip through his fingers, slip through the cracks. And once again, it's important to notice how salvation comes. It comes from God to those who have faith in Christ. Notice it doesn't stop with those who have faith. Those who have faith in Christ. Salvation is secure, not in our faith. Salvation is secure in our faith in Christ. Because faith in Christ saves. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him alone shall have eternal life. And Jesus will raise them up on the last day. Sola fide. Faith alone and Christ alone. Amen? Okay, working on it. It's getting there. The Spirit's growing this. Here's the thing. We can take Jesus' words here, obviously, and then we can, can jump ahead and we can connect it to Paul and his teaching um, in the letter of, of Romans. Um, I just need to tell us this again. We can't have faith in ourselves to be saved. I, I know you, you may think differently, or the world definitely thinks differently, but, but we can't have faith in ourselves to be saved. We can't have faith in our ability to be saved. We can't have faith in the government to be saved. We can't have faith in our families or our jobs to be saved. And get this, all those latest and greatest products that are being pushed out there on Instagram, they're not going to save you either. I mean, go ahead, put your faith in these. But you'll see, they don't save. They don't last. They're temporary fixes. Maybe. Faith in people, faith in products made by people leads nowhere. It does not, they do not, they cannot save. Paul tells us why. Romans 3, he says, For no one is righteous. Romans 3.10. We'll get to what Lauren read, but we got to work our way back a little bit first. So Romans 3.10. I invite you to start there with me and just endure the, um, the law that we're going to feel here. Romans 3.10 starts off by saying this. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands no one seeks for God. 
All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Did you read that? No one does good. Oh, they were a good person. No, they're not. Well, he's a good person. No, he's not. She's a good person. No, she's not. No one does good. I'm not making it up, right? It's been around for a while. No one does good, not even one. Then look at verse 13. In the midst of our society today. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. You'll read that one again later today. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. These aren't new thoughts that Paul's writing down here, friends. These are all things straight from the Old Testament. All showing that no one is righteous. All are sinners, all sin. Therefore, no one, no thing, no specific earthly leader can save. Put your faith in these things. Put your faith in earthly beings. You will not be saved. And Paul goes on, right? Jump ahead a little bit to verse 21. We'll see how he connects all this for us. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. So, so we know about our unrighteousness, right? We don't have to go back to that anymore it's pretty clear that that we're no good no one's any good we can't be saved we can't save ourselves no one can save us so now here paul reveals this other aspect this this amazing aspect this grace aspect of of god apart from the law the righteousness of god given look at verse 22 The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The righteousness of God given through faith in who? In Jesus Christ for who? All who believe. Jesus came and died for everyone, past, present, and future. But the righteousness of God is given through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Because faith is only as good as its object. And when that faith is in Jesus, look at the results. Look at verse, the rest of 22 and verse 23. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then verse 24 and on. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. 
This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time. There's some, some key words in, in here. We, we know the first ones, right? All have sinned. <laughs> we won't go into that anymore. But all who have sinned have been justified. That means they've been declared not guilty by his grace. Who's his? Jesus. By Jesus' grace. By this undeserved love that he's been given to us as a gift. Do you and I deserve forgiveness? No, we don't. But yet, God gives it to us as a gift. How? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption means we've been bought back. So in Christ Jesus, we have been bought back from our sins, bought back from our evil ways, bought back from the death that we deserve. And because God put him, because God put Jesus forward, where he gave his son, his only son, as a propitiation, the sacrifice for our sin by his blood, because he gave this, we are now receiving this faith. This gift from God. From God, through Christ, by faith, you receive God's gift. From God, through Christ, by faith, you receive God's gift. All this is to show God's righteousness. That is, he, God, both justly punishes sin... And graciously forgives sinners. And then it's got this thing about his divine forbearance. What is this talking about? Well, this is, this is in God's patience with sinners. He's passed over former sins. Right? This doesn't mean he's ignoring those sins. This means that God delayed the punishment of all those who came before Christ until Christ came. And then Christ paid it for all of them and then for all of us in full. We have been saved. We have been redeemed by Christ alone. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, which means right now, which means tomorrow at this time, which means now, 20 seconds from now. That's the present time. We have been redeemed by Christ alone. And faith in him alone, in Christ alone, you know what that does? It saves. Sola fide. Friends, it's not about your faith. It's not. It's about the object of your faith. Faith alone in Christ alone. For it's not faith that saves, but faith in Christ that saves. Does everyone have faith? Yes. Does everyone have faith that saves? No. Everyone has faith, but not everyone has faith that saves. 
And that's why we who do need to boldly stand, to confess, to, to live out this faith in love under this true understanding of sola fide. The object of our faith, Jesus Christ, makes us bold to stand up and be like the apostles and say, we must obey God rather than men. The object of our faith, Jesus Christ, makes us courageous to say, what can man do to me? Faith in Christ, Christ alone saves. Everyone. Anyone who has faith in Christ alone is saved. And knowing this truth, I want to share some words with you that a fellow brother in Christ that I knew from Iowa um, has written. Because I think they do us some, some true good um, as we step out in faith in Christ um, alone. So I'm going to finish up with his words paraphrased here. Under the banner of sola fide, you and I can stand against persecution and threats. Under the banner of sola fide, you and I can endure sufferings and disease. Under the banner of sola fide, you and I can face death. For it's not the strength of our faith that saves us. It's the object of our faith. And the object of our faith has destroyed death. The object of our faith has annihilated hell. The object of our faith has done all this by dying and rising again for you and me. And now, just as nothing can conquer Christ, nothing can conquer you. For you, you are connected to God by faith in Christ alone. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.